How many of you remember the Wizard of Ed, the cartoon that used to be in the funny papers? May still be there. I don't see the funny papers anymore. But uh, in this particular one, there are two prisoners in a prison cell. And they're both in shackles, chains and shackles, suspended and chained to a wall, spread eagle, chains on their ankles and on their wrists, where they cannot move. They are just stuck on this wall, side by side. And one of them is turned over to the other one. He's got this goofy grin on his face. Now here's the plan. Now then, let me tell you, you didn't look like there was any way that, I mean, he couldn't even twitch a finger hardly. And he had a plan. Well, I feel about like that as I stand up here and talk to you. Uh, in the midst of all the strife that's going on in the world today, as messed up as things are in our country and around the world, and uh, we do rejoice at the wonderful thing that we've seen happen in uh, North Korea this past week. That is fantastic. And I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking history. And I'm talking miracle. God brought about what happened between North Korea and South Korea and what's happening between uh, us and North Korea right now. And we need to continue to pray that he will bring peace to those people that uh, uh, God has moved on uh, this dictator's heart. And, uh, you know, we're told to pray for our leaders. We need to continue to pray for our leader, that all of our leaders, that Donald Trump and the rest of our leaders will lead us in the right way. Because God does hear the prayers of his people. He's heard the prayers of those uh, suffering North Korean Christians who have prayed for decades uh, under persecution. And the South Koreans who were separated from them, from their loved ones, uh, just by ideology and uh, things like that. And so a healing is taking place in that land. And for that, we are grateful and it is God's doing. And let's continue to pray that it'll continue to move that way. Now then, but even with that, that wonderful little glimmer of hope, we see so much going wrong. Another shooting, I understand, in New Jersey, 20 people wounded, another person killed. All this bad stuff going on around us. But the thing is, God knew it was going to get this bad. And his plan has not changed from the first time that he approached Abraham and invited him to follow him and to uh, uh, live a life that he had for him. God approached Abraham and he had a plan. And that plan is the same plan that he has for you. And you enter into his plan the same way today that Abraham entered into it back then, thousands of years ago. That hasn't changed. And so I want us to look at God's plan. I want to lay it out to you this last time that we're looking at, uh, uh, at Abraham, who is the father of our faith uh, in the sense that he is the model. 
He was the first and he's the one that we model our faith and our following of God after. And so I want us to hear God's call to Abraham and then see that it's his call to us today and then see how Abraham responded. First of all, here's what the Lord said. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from. So he says, go forth, go forth. That means to leave, go forth from. And then he says, go forth to. You've got to leave where you are. You cannot stay in the same place and follow God. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to leave where you are and go where he leads you. Go forth from, and here are the things, from your country. And today, speaking to us, that's your national culture, your regional culture. You can't let those dictate your actions. Your, uh, your relatives, those people who, who are like you, those people with whom you share racial, racial and ethnic ties, you can't let them be shaping who you are and what you are and think that you're God's. Then your father's house, go forth from your father's house, from those people who raised you. Now let's face it, nowadays, if you're not dysfunctional, you're not normal. We've all been raised in messed up households. Every one of us can tell tales. None of us has had a perfect upbringing. And we, but, but we had our little tapes going when we were kids and we have taken in stuff, even though our parents may not have said, do this, do this, do this. In fact, they probably did. You know, they did say do this, but you weren't listening to what they said. You are taking in what they did. What you do speaks so much louder than your words. And uh, so um, anyway, and I don't know how many times I almost, I, I, I have had my parents say, do as I say and not as I do. When I would question them about how come you get to smoke and I'm not supposed to, you know, different things like that. There's so many things that uh, they said, well, you just do as I say, not as I do. Anyway, the thing is, is that we picked up a lot of bad garbage in our households uh, accidentally. And even some of us who maybe didn't have the right parents and were saying, I don't want to be anything like those parents, we wind up being like them in different ways. And it kills us when we discover it. Well, but anyway, there are things that we need to go forth from. And uh, the good news is God has a place for us to go. You know, until you know that God has a place for you to go, you wind up in that spot where, how's the saying go? Something about rather the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Uh, if you don't know where to go, how are you going to get there? And so the Lord has called us. When he tells us to go somewhere, he's calling us to follow because he tells us to go where he wants us to go. You see, that's a calling. So anyway, 
go forth from your country, your relatives, your father's house. The way this is, and this is our whole nation is infected by what is now called moral, moral, I want to get it right, moral therapeutic deism. It is a substitute for Christianity. It is a feel-good, be-comfortable religion that has infiltrated our churches. It has infiltrated our culture from top to bottom. And it is a religion of niceness. All you need to do is just be a nice person. And there are five basic tenets to moral therapeutic deism. Now, the moral, just look at the name, moral. There's a, a way that you need to be living your life. And the, this religion will tell you how to live your life. It's therapeutic. It's helpful. It helps you to feel good and to cope with stuff. Deism. De, you know, when, uh, from the deistic point of view, God created this world. He said it's spinning. And now then he's way out there. And he doesn't get involved in it. And the thing is, if you look at the basic tenets of moral therapeutic deism, you'll see that it's hypocritical. Even in this folk religion that has evolved here and devolved or come about in our country that everybody nowadays is buying into, uh, there's hypocrisy in it. They haven't thought it through. It doesn't fit. And yet this is what so many Americans are living out of today. And they're not where they should be. Here are the five tenets. Let's make sure I've counted them right. One, two, three. yes, five tenets. Number one, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. They admit there's a God and he, we, we have a creation. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. That's what life is all about. Just be happy and feel good about yourself. And then, God does not particularly need to be involved in my life except when I need him to help me with a problem. And this is where the hypocrisy comes in. If he's just set this globe of spinning and he has no contact with it, and he's not involved in it anymore, how's he going to help you with your problems? And yet they'll turn to him in their times of need. They pull out the God box. Oh, God. And then after they get through and he gets them through and he'll help them through many times. Then they put that God box back on the shelf and go on with their lives, paying no attention to God at all. And then finally, good people go to heaven when they die. That is a summation of what most people and let's face it, in most churches even, believe today. A God exists who created and ordered the world, watches over human life on earth. He wants people to be good and nice and fair to each other 
uh, as taught in the Bible and most of the world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. And uh, God doesn't need to be involved in my life. And he's not going to be involved in my life unless I need him. And good people die when they go. We I mean, yeah, good people die. We all die. Good people go to heaven when they die. That's it in a nutshell. And that is a sham. That is only a very, very part of the truth of the life that God has for his creation. He's called us to move away from garbage like that and to understand that he has a plan for our life. And now then, and it's not until we start moving to where he wants us to be that he's going to start being involved with us except to be tapping us on the shoulder and trying to get our attention. It's not that he doesn't love us where we are, but you can't be his and stay where you are. You've got to move away from that and got to move toward what he's calling you to. And you'll find that in the Bible. Most people are trying to live out of what they've heard from their friends and family and their culture, and they're paying no attention to God's word. They are interpreting God's word by the culture, and they're trying to shape God's word. And that's why our denomination is in such a mess right now is because we're trying to set aside God's word. Some people are, and others are saying, no, we cannot do that. This is what God has called us to do. This is who he has called us to be. And the other side is saying, forget about all that. We need to quit being ugly to each other and start being nice people to sinners. You know, those people you're calling sinners. And so it's that way all the way up and down. It's a sad situation. But God has such a wonderful plan for us. And that plan speaks to our hearts and it resonates because he offers us what we need so terribly in our lives. Look at what he says. He's told us what to leave. Now he tells us where to go. Go to the land which I will show you. Go to a different place, not where you are now. He says, I have a totally different dimension for you to start living in. And this next week, we're going to start talking about that dimension and living in that totally different dimension that he has for us to live in. It's totally different. Once we step out and start listening to God and obeying God, instead of living out of what we have absorbed around us. Broad new vistas opened up. I've shared with you that uh, aspect of Peter's life whenever he was called to go to Cornelius's house. And Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter goes in obedience because God has called him and told him to go to Cornelius's house. And you know that no good, respectable Jewish man would step over the threshold into a Gentile's house. That we were unclean. You just didn't do that. God would get you if you did that. 
You couldn't know his blessing in your life if you did that because that's just something that you don't do. And yet here God is telling him, you go to Cornelius. He needs to hear something from you. And so he goes. And when he stepped over that threshold, going against everything his parents had taught him, going against everything that the rabbis before him, before he came to know Jesus, had taught him, going against everything that uh, uh, his whole culture, his whole race and uh, uh, ethnic identity told him, he went against his very being to step into what God was calling him to do and be. And what happened? He goes up and he speaks to Cornelius' household and the Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles just like the Holy Spirit fell on Jews. And a whole new world opened up to Peter. Do you see that? And with me, I continually find what some people even call second, third, fourth, sixteenth conversions. Because as we go along, as we give as much of ourselves as we know to as much of God as we understand, we come to those growing edges to where sometimes it gets scary. And what are some of those growing edges? One of the biggest ones is forgiveness. Real forgiveness. Uh, real love. There's so many of those things uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that can, whatever we finally understand, we need to not just talk about these concepts and argue about this stuff. We need to start doing what God has called us to do. And as we do, God comes. God comes. Jesus promised it. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll talk about me on Sunday, or you'll go listen to the preacher on Sunday, maybe, if you feel like going to church. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will love you, and my Father will love you, and we will come and make our abode with you. And he was talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming into your heart, into your life, in power and in presence in ways that you will never know until you lay it all on the altar, as we talked about earlier. And whenever you do, when you do, wow, things open up. And he, you discover that he has so much better for you. And there's so much more for you. But look at what he's promised. Uh, he's a... Uh, uh, here's what God said he's going to do to, for Abraham. It's what he'll do for you as well. He says, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to go through this quickly. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now then, the thing is, in that promise, God has covered the basic needs of both men and women. Our greatest needs, he has promised right there to provide. He says, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. Uh, I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now then, 
A man's greatest need is to feel like he makes a difference in this world. I'll make you a great nation. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a legacy. That's what men want. Men want, whenever they're gone, to leave a good legacy. They want somehow to feel like they count in this world. That somehow they have made a difference for the good in this world. That's what he promised Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to help you make a mark. And then, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide goodness to you. Now this, a woman's greatest need is security. A woman's greatest need is to be able to share herself deeply with those around her. And you can't share yourself with other people if you're afraid you're going to be hurt. And so you've got to have security. God has promised significance and security to all of us. We all need both. Men need the attaboys and we need the pats on the back and we need the adulation and all that stuff more than we need the sense of security, but we need that. Women need to feel like they're going to be provided for. Women need to feel like somehow they're going to be able to make it. And the thing is, God has said, I will bless you. Once you leave all this garbage behind and start going where I'm calling you to go, I have blessings in store for you. I have a life that will make you significant. And there will be a ripple effect for good in this world that will go out from your life as you follow me. All of us, we don't realize just how significant we are. Every one of us affects all the people around us, either for the good or for the bad. Just like you throw a pond in a, or you throw a pond, throw a pebble in a pond, that little pebble will make ripples all the way to the edge of the pond. So it is with your life and with your actions. And if your actions are being guided by God, those ripples are going to bring forth good. If you're not, you're going to be pulling people down. Just like crabs in a bucket, you're going to be keeping them from getting where they need to go. So anyway, I will make for you a great nation. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. And then look at this. This has to do with that ripple effect again. What God will do through Abraham. He's going to do things to Abraham. He's going to show him where to go. He's going to bless him. He's going to give him significance. He's going to give him security. He's going to be with him. And then he says, I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. If you are following God's plan for your life, your enemies are not going to want to stay your enemies. They're going to either go away or be your friend. That's been my experience in life since I've started following God. And then in you, 
all the families of the earth will be blessed. The little bit of good that you do day by day has big effects. I can remember one time I was serving a church and feeling kind of sorry for myself. I just didn't feel like I was making much of a difference in this world and uh, was feeling very insignificant. And uh, I had been the minister of discipleship at a church that had about 6,000 members uh, at at that time. Now it's over 10,000. But uh, I had left that church and gone on to serve this other church. And uh, I just didn't feel like, uh, like I was just making any difference at all. And just wondering, God, have I just totally missed you? What am I doing? And the youth group from that large church came through the youth choir and they performed at our church. And I was sitting there being my little insignificant self and started noticing these kids bopping around. There were 70 of them. And I saw this one, her big sister was getting ready to go into of the lunchroom and have her meal ticket pulled because her daddy had drunk up all the money that they'd set aside for her uh, for her college education. And I was able to help them. That not happened. And that family stayed together. And that little girl's bopping along there, not knowing a thing about what I was instrumental in helping the Lord used me to help pull them out of a hell hole. It was just amazing. This one over here, they were being evicted from a, from a house and I was able to make sure that they were able to move to another place. This one over here, all 70 of those kids, I had touched their lives in ways that they didn't even know. And now then they're going out and they're ministering to other people all over the place. You know, you never know It's the things that you do day by day, moment by moment with the Lord's help that have eternal effects. You may have no idea the difference that you have made and you are going to make as you just day by day do those things that God has called you to do. And as you let him and seek him and let him lead you in life. God gives Abraham significance and security. He gives you significance and security. You do matter. You do have value. No matter what other people are telling you, no matter what people have told you in the past, no matter what you've concluded about yourself, God says, I don't make junk. I made you. And maybe you haven't been utilizing what I've given you in the right way, but I'm not through with you yet. And today is the first day from the rest of your life. Well, the thing is, Abraham went. He went. You see, the life of faith, as I've been telling you the last four weeks, is not just sitting around talking about what you believe. The life of faith is a life that is lived, not in some sort of philosophy that you have made up for yourself, but it is having faith that what God has revealed of himself 
is enough for the moment and walking in what he has put before you. And as you take the steps, then he reveals more and more to you. It's God's call us, call to us, leave where you are, leave where you've been, come follow me, do it. And the blessings of Abraham are also yours. Now, we see this all through. This isn't just an Old Testament message. Whenever Jesus was walking along the shores of Galilee, what did he say to his disciples? Come, follow me. In order to come and follow him, as we looked at, I think it was last week, they left everything. They left it all behind and they followed him. And then we see them, him calling one young man and he tells him, and he's very, very rich. And he says, just leave it all and come follow me. And that man, that young man turns around sorrowfully and starts to walk away and to go back to that stuff that Jesus was calling him from. He couldn't leave it. It was more dear to him than the life that he knew that God had for him. And so as he walks away, we pick up in the Gospel of Luke, the 24th verse, and we, we see this picture. And Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. And then Peter gets to be a model. And it dawns on Peter all of a sudden. And he says, Lord, we did that. We did that exact thing, didn't we? We did it. He says, behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. We started doing this, Lord. And listen to what Jesus says to Peter. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. That's his promise. That's his promise. And it's not just to Peter. It's not just to Abraham. It's to, it was to that young man that we don't even really know his name. We have a pretty good idea now who he was. But uh, at that point in the story, we have no idea who he is. All we know is, is that he didn't want to leave. And Jesus is saying, you have to. You have to. You can't stay where you are. That's the promise. But... We never can prove the desires of his, the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, or for those who will trust and think about it. What? I can't hear. Obey. Obey. Yes. Welcome. It's so hard coming forth. Okay. All who will trust and obey. Wonderful things are there for you, folks. He's calling. If you haven't left, the time to leave is now. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.